Militarily Speaking, Episode 23, Pat Tillman Foundation. This episode, we talk with Dan Futrell, CEO. Welcome to Militarily Speaking, brought to you by Armed Forces Bank. This is Tom McLean and my heavily caffeinated co-host, <laughs> right? Jody yes, Vickery. is there any other way to live? Nope. I didn't think so. Again, welcome to our show. We're excited to have you listening and learning about the Pat Tillman Foundation. I want to introduce Dan Futrell, CEO, and tell you a bit about him. Dan joined the Pat Tillman Foundation as CEO in 2019, bringing over 15 years of cross-sector experience to the team. Early in life, Dan benefited from the selfless service of others as his path took him in and out of foster care, ultimately landing in California due to the diligence of a volunteer social worker in Florida. This experience helped shape his commitment to service in his life. Raised by a single dad thereafter, Dan went on to graduate from Gonzaga University on an ROTC scholarship with a degree in business. Over the next five years, Dan would serve 27 months in Baghdad, Iraq, and Fort Lewis, Washington as a Ranger Qualified Infantry Officer. His leadership positions include platoon leader and company commander in a striker brigade before he served as an aide-de-camp in a deployed Corps headquarters in Iraq. For his service, Dan was awarded the Combat Infantryman's Badge, the Ranger Tab, and two Bronze Star Medals. Thank you for your service. Yep, thank you. And there's, there's more, right? There, there's more. Yes. His, his introduction is much more impressive than mine ever we would be. We love his introduction. Yes. In 2011, Dan was selected in the third class of Tillman Scholars as he completed a Master's in Public Policy from Harvard University. In Somerville, Massachusetts, a Boston metro city of 80,000, he served for six years as an elected official on the school board in a 5,000-student urban school district, focusing on social and emotional education and financial management of the district's $70 million budget. He has held operational leadership roles at nonprofits, Europe, and the Housing Partnership Network. In addition to product and business development roles in technology startups prior to moving to Chicago with his family in 2019. And I know before we got on here, Tom, you've already covered Chicago sports and in Boston and Boston sports. And yes, yeah. so yes. So, so welcome. You. Welcome. We're very glad to have you here. Tom and I couldn't be more excited for you to be able to share with our audience about the foundation. And I think just for those that might not be familiar, I mean, it's hard to imagine people wouldn't be familiar generally with the story. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about Pat Tillman, who he was and why the foundation was started? Sure. Well, first, Tom, Jody, thank you so much for, for having me here. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate you sharing our story with, with your listeners and your, your audience. You know, Pat was somebody who was somebody who was really driven by selfless service. He was somebody who, you know, I, I never got a chance to meet him myself, but, you know, my, my work in, in this organization and being a Tillman scholar, I've had the chance to meet many others who have met him. And they all describe him as somebody who was very intellectually curious and somebody who when you were having a conversation with him, he was focused on you. He wasn't, he wasn't, you know, thinking about the next thing. He was really listening and wanting to understand. But, you know, he, he was somebody who pushed himself to excellence. He, he played for the Arizona State University for their football team, the Sun Devils, in the mid-90s. And he was generally regarded, even before college, as, you know, having a, having a lot of heart, but not maybe having the size or the speed to make it at the next level. And he was committed to playing football in college. And so, you know, he didn't get a lot of, a lot of offers to go somewhere and, and play. And ASU brought him on and he joined the team. And not only did he excel in his on the field performance, you know, people have described him hitting you like being hit by a, a Mack truck. 
But uh, <laughs> he, he also was a leader on the team. He led in the locker room, he led on the field and, and became somewhat of the heart of the team that he was on. And, you know, at the end of, at the end of college, he said, you know, he really wanted to play in the NFL. And again, too small, not fast enough, doesn't have what it takes to be in the NFL and gets drafted as the 226th pick in the draft in the seventh round. Again, somebody who, you know, you don't expect a lot from those guys. And, you know, again, he, he, he played for the Arizona Cardinals. And not only did he become a starter, did he earn a starting spot, not only did he lead on and off the field, but he set records for, you know, the number of tackles in a, in a season. And so, you know, after 9-11, you know, he was inspired by and drawn to service and was asking himself, what do I do? Here's a major trauma for our country. Now is the time to serve. And, you know, there's, there's a video clip of him that the Cardinals did the day after 9-11 and they were just getting some of their players talking about what had just happened. And he reflected, he said, you know, some members of his family had, had served in the military at different points in their lives. And he said, I haven't done a damn thing yeah. uh, in football. And, you know, he shortly thereafter joined the U.S. Army Rangers, knowing that, you know, he'd be turning down a three point whatever million dollar contract to earn $35,000 a year. He enlisted, he and his brother Kevin enlisted as, as Army Rangers. And I mean, deployed first to Iraq and then to Afghanistan, during which he lost his life in a tragic fratricide incident. And, you know, his his wife, Marie, and his brother-in-law, Alex, and childhood friend, Ben, and, you know, his, his brother, Kevin, and another friend named Jared started this foundation called the Pat Tillman Foundation in 2004, literally the month that he was killed, April 2004. And, you know, we, we could get more in, into the into the foundation and what we do, but you know, the last thing I'll say about Pat is, uh, having never met him, I, I feel like, you know, he feels very present in our organization as an employee of the Pat Tillman Foundation, as a leader here, as a Tillman scholar, he feels very present in our community as a reference point for a life well lived. And, you know, we're, we're careful not to, not to idolize him. He was imperfect. He was human, you know, probably not everybody liked him when he was alive and that doesn't matter. You know, he was somebody who who made some pretty exceptional choices that even 20 years later, you know, nobody's nobody's leaving the NFL to join the military. Nobody's elevating service in the way that he did and with that kind of sacrifice. So even 20 years later, he's still motivating to a lot of folks to include all of us Tillman scholars. It's wonderful. It's, it's an incredible legacy that his family, I know, can't help but be proud of. Could you share a little bit about how that has transitioned into the foundation and the sort of things that the foundation has picked up as pillars of what are important and the kinds of things that you do for the community? Sure. You know, the, the foundation initially was born of a, a country's grieving, an exceptional human. And a lot of people felt motivated to, to write a check and, and send it to the Cardinals or to ASU or to the Tillman family. And early on, they had a, almost a million dollars all at once. Wow. And they had to have a conversation. Say, well, man, we got to do something really good with this. You know, people are leaning in here to show their support in a meaningful way. And so they created an endowment and, and a scholarship program at Arizona State University where he went to school. And then, you know, five years on, you know, took that same scholarship and made it for all universities, for veterans and military spouses. And so now, you know, we have this community of over 800 Tillman scholars who, you know, are studying law and policy and business and healthcare and the arts and education and all sorts of things. But all of them are, you know, individuals who believe that 
you know, the biggest impact they're going to have in their lives hasn't happened yet, um, regardless of whatever amazing things they've already done. And so, you know, as a foundation, what we do and the way that we see our role, our role is to amplify our scholars' impact. You know, we're, we're organized around four values that drove Pat, service, scholarship, humble leadership, and impact. And, you know, for us, we really want to help our scholars get to school, get through school and, and open doors that might not have been opened. And then after that, we want to help, help them, you know, help their impact be a little bit deeper, a little bit broader than it otherwise might have been through our community and our support and the leadership development that we offer. I love that. I'm just trying to th think of how big the footprint is of 800 scholars going through this program and how, how much that expands the story that he did such a yeah. good job sharing about Pat. Well, we talk sometimes about a ripple effect, and Pat is kind of the first step of that. You know, our scholars are just the next step, but you're right. There's like all of our scholars out in the world trying to serve somebody else, trying mm -hmm. to make somebody else's life life's better. And we hope that that ripple effect is just, is just bigger and continues outward. Yep, love that. It's amazing how sports and military, they have that, somehow have that synergy, right? And it's the yeah. qualities, the lead, leadership especially comes out a lot in the sports. And you think about what the impact that, that Pat had. You know, I, I looked at that story about what Jake Plummer did, right? Jake Plummer, he couldn't, he couldn't wear something to show his support, but he grew his hair out, right? And a couple other, a couple other his teammates grew their hair out in honor of Pat. So it was cool to carry that legacy too. And to think that he was Pac-10 Defensive Player of the Year was pretty amazing too back at ASU. Yep. yep. But those those qualities and those attributes, you probably knew it right when you walked into a room that he had that kind of presence. That's how people talk about him. You know, they, they, yeah. they talk about him as, as somebody who's special and, and, and created those kinds of connections that continue to last. You know, I'll share this with you too. We have, you know, a, a big event in, in April that we'll talk a little bit more about later. But our race committee, the the volunteers that help us to put that on, those yep. are all people who knew Pat or, or were connected mm -hmm. to him 20 years ago. Like one of the guys was the was his athletic trainer when he was a Sun Devil. One of the guys was in the was in marketing in ASU athletics. One was just you know a, a college friend of his. Like these are all people who continue to show up every year and, and and help this thing go, and it helps to fund our scholarships in a meaningful way. But I hope we can all have that kind of impact on somebody 20 years down the road, right? Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Let's talk. Uh, we're going to keep keep going on what you just informed our audience, but we'll, we'll go a little bit further with that, about the impact that the foundation has had, the number of scholars that you, and universities that you've expanded to our community in 2022. So it again, you start small, right? A million dollars comes flowing in early on, and you're wondering, what am I going to do? And, and then it morphs into something that 10 years from now, 20 years from now is going to be something that it's going to be just spectacular for a lot of people. But talk about the expansion you've had. Yeah. So we select 60 Tillman scholars a year. And, you know, that nowadays, that's about a 3% selection rate. We get about 2,000 applicants for those 60 spots. And, you know, the, the board, well, well before me, the board made a decision to serve a smaller number of folks deeply versus serving a lot of folks not so much. And so, you know, what that means for our community is, we know everybody in our community. We know all 811 and we're able to kind of figure out what they need and, and help them open some doors where needed. But, you know, we have 18 university partners. We have across the 160 Tillman scholars that are currently enrolled in school today. They're at about 120 universities. And so, you know, some universities will have two or, two or three Tillman scholars at a time. 
And all those universities are places that are, you know, that are supporting veterans and, and military spouses. But we ultimately, we believe that education is a really important inflection point for our veterans, for military spouses, as they are making a transition from one chapter of their lives to the next. And our, our, our university partners have been, have been great. We've actually just added one of the schools at American University mm-hmm. and Gonzaga University, where I went to school actually as a university partner this last year. So you're a bulldog, right? So if the bull, by the way, if the bulldogs play the Jayhawks, all right, we'll talk about that another time, okay? <laughs> stay focused, Tom. Stay I know, focused. I got to stay on task <laughs> stay here. Stay focused. Sorry to interrupt you, Dan. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. That's okay. I mean, March is coming right around the corner here. I know. Now, now, now that my team is no longer in the hunt for the Super Bowl, now we'll switch <laughs> it's March Madness. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. But yeah, you know, we're 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 grateful to have really good university partners who are trying to support veterans on their campuses, and you know, ultimately believe in the potential of our Timlin scholars. Like that, that's what this is all about, right? We we go through an application process. We look for scholars who are trying to do big things in the world, and who we believe can do those big things based on what they've already done. And then the conversation is simply about, great, how do we help them to get there? And those conversations with our university partners, with the, with the corporations who support our work, with the individuals and the foundations who support our work, that kind of conversation is so motivating for me because it's all about, great, how do we help somebody else? And, and it's, just, it's, it's, good. it's a good place to be. It's, it's rooted in optimism. And I can hear it in your voice that it's fulfilling work. Yeah. yeah. So talking a little bit about the people that do apply. So, you know, on your website, pattillmanfoundation.org, you know, we can clearly see there's a place for folks to apply. Can you talk about that process and what, what they might expect as they go through that? Yeah, absolutely. So, so for your veterans or military spouses who are listening, go to apply.ptf.org, PTF for Pat Tillman Foundation, apply.ptf.org. And uh, our application is open through the end of February. So we got about a month left. You know, if folks are, are just hearing about this for the first time, I'd say the, the first step you ought to take, aside from just filling out your name and, and you know, all that information is getting a recommender to write a letter of recommendation for you. So because you want to want to give somebody else a little bit, a little bit of lead time there. Outside of that, you submit your military documentation, you know, your DD-214 is, is the, mm-hmm. the document, right? And then talk a little bit about what you do in your community and answer two essay questions, you know, a couple hundred words each. So it's, it's not a ton, but, you know, the successful applications that we see are people who can articulate very clearly, here's the big impact I want to have in the world. Here is why you should believe I can do it based on what I've done. And here's why this education at this time is going to help bridge those two things. It's going to get me from what I've done to what I want to and can do in the future. Those are the most successful applications. And then the last thing I'd say too, for folks looking for recommenders, you know, we're not big on if somebody has a connection to fill in the blank you know, name that we might've heard as famous as a politician mm-hmm. or whatever, I don't care. Oh, and have them write a recommendation, but maybe they don't, they don't know you too well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would advise you like, Hey, don't do that. We're not going to be impressed by the names. Instead, we'd be more impressed by learning who you are and, and find somebody who can, who can really talk to your character and, and your drive to serve. Those are the applications that do the best, but apply.ptf.org. And, you know, we got days here left to get that in. Like it sounds like good advice in terms of yeah. the recommendation letters for sure. And it sounds like you would surface very thoughtful candidates, I think, going through that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot, a lot of folks too, who are in the application process, we have 
a variety of info sessions that are on our YouTube channel. And we get into the, the nitty gritty of the details of the application. So definitely would encourage people to go there as well. And then, you know, it's not uncommon for folks to reach out to Tillman Scholars who maybe they don't know, you know, find, find mm-hmm. a Tillman Scholar on LinkedIn and send them a note and say, hey, you know, uh, you know, I, I see that you and I have a similar background, you know, could you maybe look over my essays or something? And, you know, worse you could get is a no. And I, I don't, I don't right. think any of our scholars are <laughs> going to say that. So we would encourage that. Sounds like advice I give my kids. <laughs> Ask the worst that can pop. Possibly and they, some, they listen to you too. Well, they don't always. Right. <laughs> Why don't you tell us a little bit about your partnerships, especially for children of a veteran or service members? You want to go into a little bit more detail for our listeners? Sure. Yeah, we, you know, we've got a variety of partnerships. A lot of our applicants, we, we've got about an even split between enlisted and, and commissioned officers coming from the military. And a lot of our folks, sometimes when you're in the military, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And, right. and especially in that transition, like who knows what jobs are out? like, think about, think about my path, right? I work in a nonprofit. A lot of people might say like, Oh, what does that, do you get paid? Does that mean you get paid? Like, what does nonprofit mean? <laughs> you know? And it's like, well, yeah, like I still have bills I got to pay. Like I, you know, I can't do this for free. Right. And everybody else, like in the military, you just don't know what you don't know. And so, you know, we do, we have one organization that we partner with called service to school. And they actually, it's a bunch of veterans who will help with your applications to, you name it, university from, you know, the super high end or, you know, whatever that means and more selective universities to, you know, to not selective, but this local state school or whatever. Ultimately, they want to help you put your best foot forward. So service to school is a a good one that actually was started by two Tillman scholars, which is kind of fun. Another partnership we have is with the Warrior Scholar Project. And they do a similar thing. They help veterans who are in the application stage of that transition and help make sure that they're ready for college. And not only not only in the application process, but but after that, like, all right, well, you know, which school should I go to? And what does it mean to be back in school when maybe maybe that wasn't my top priority when I was in high school, you know? So Warrior Scholar Project is another one. Before, you know, you mentioned children of, of veterans. There's a variety of organizations out there. So we, you know, our scholarship is for veterans and military spouses. But there are organizations out there, whether it's through AMVETS or you know, the Fold the Flag Foundation serves children of Gold Star families. There are organizations out there that, that specifically focus on children of veterans. But again, ours, you know, our, our Tillman Scholarship is for veterans and military spouses who both have really served in their own way. And, you know, sometimes folks will, will be curious about the inclusion of military spouses. But our belief really is that those spouses have served, though in a different way, they have also served in their own way. More often than not, spouses don't have their own jobs and get moved around to a variety of you know places around the country or the globe in support of their their spouse who is serving. And so we we acknowledge that just the same. Great, made a lot of notes there. I know. I'm trying to catch up with all this great information. I know. We'll have to trade <laughs> trade chicken scratch on our paper here. I want to transition just a little bit and talk about something that that we see highlighted as part of the foundation and sort of the the fiber of it, really, the six leadership attributes. I don't know if you can share those with our audience and give them a little insight into that. Yeah, sure can. So so we, this month actually, have launched a project we've been working on for three years called the Tillman Leadership Institute. And what this is really is an investment in leadership development in a variety of organizations through our Tillman Scholars. So we are taking the uniformed service leadership and the civilian leadership experience of our Tillman scholars and bringing it to other organizations, whether it's universities to governmental agencies, nonprofits or or for-profit organizations. 
we have built a curriculum and a training program around six different leadership attributes, creativity, tenacity, caring, inclusivity, decisiveness, and passion. And all of these things are attributes that, that we saw in past life and are things that we believe are, are quite core to being a good leader. There's not a shortage of you know, leadership development programs out there these days. But what I would say is, you know, we exist as an organization to fill a leadership gap in the world. And this, this term, the leadership gap, that's an academically studied phenomenon. It's not just kind of a made up thing where they look at, you know, what people believe the leadership skills are needed for the challenges of tomorrow. And then compare that to today's leaders in whatever organization, how do they measure up against those, those skills? And what, what has persisted for over two decades is the leaders today don't have the skills to solve the challenges we're going to face tomorrow. And we exist to fill that gap. And we, we happen to believe that veterans and military spouses are uniquely positioned to fill that gap. And so the Timbal Leadership Institute is a vehicle for that. Each of these six different attributes are things that we believe we can build on. You know, some people, some people look at leadership and they say, you know, oh, somebody's just a born leader. Oh, Pat, Pat was just a born leader. Look at that guy. And while it's true that somebody can be born with a little more of this or a little less of that, right? I'm, you know, I'm five nine. I'm never going to be in the NBA. Right? <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't even touch the rim. I don't think. Uh, you know, but, with a little help, right. you might be able to. Yeah, a lane or something. <laughs> that was the thing that I cared about, and I tra- I trained a lot. Maybe, you know, maybe I get a little better, right? You know, we happen to believe that leadership is a thing that you could train and you could build on. And, you know, sure, some people might be, you know, gifted in one way or another, but it's a thing that can be built and learned and trained. And so the Timlin Leadership Institute is our effort to put Timlin scholars in the room with people who want to want to build their own leadership. I love that. And those listening to you share the six different leadership attributes, they aren't things that they're not the buzzword attributes, right? Yeah. It didn't strike me as it's didn't strike me as something I've heard before. Because 10, 20 years ago, inclusiveness probably wouldn't have been right. part of that, right? right? And right. It just didn't hit the top of the list. Yep. yep. So I think you're, you're onto something. I, I always hear that term born leader. You're right. And I think if someone becomes a leader because of these learned attributes, then people will always think of them as a born leader anyway. Right. Because they thought they had them. That but, met them after. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also a perception, right, about a leader is the one, like the, the, the loud guy in, in the front of the room, right? And, you know, when we look in our scholar community, what, what I've learned from them is leadership takes many different forms, right? You know, the, the, the kind of traditional idea that a leader has to be an extrovert, right? There's a lot, yeah. of, a lot of studies out there that like, hey, introverts are like really good listeners, really good at collaborating. And maybe they don't fit like the, the, the movie picture role of what a leader is, but are, are people who are really great at leading, right? You know, there's also there are gender dynamics at play. There's kind of background and perspective and, and diversity issues at play as well, right? Yeah. And so when we look at our scholar community that is diverse in all the ways, all of them have leadership skills that they've employed in challenging situations and are still building. This is not, it's not something that you reach a mark and you're done. Right. It's a lifelong thing. So, you know, we also, we also want to come at it from that perspective as well. This is the, this is the fun part of the, one of the fun parts of these episodes too, is to talk about some programs that mm-hmm. you alluded to these earlier in the, in our discussion, but talk a little bit about Pints for Pat. And I know what Jody's thinking about Pints for Pat. <laughs> Let that's, him that's, answer that's, the question. That's a long time tradition. Oh, it could, might be a different answer, right? Could be. How did it get started and how that legacy lives on today? Yeah. 
I mean, thanks for asking about this. Is, this is a, a fun one. You know, when, when Pat was a Sun Devil playing for Arizona State University and when he was a Cardinal playing for, for, for the Cardinals, he used to go, he used to visit this Irish pub in Tempe called Rula Bula. <laughs> and this place, place. I've, I've been there. Um, sadly, it shut down in the last couple of years, but it was run by a guy named Steve Gumas. And Pat, you know, he's a football player. He's well-known. He's got long hair. He's, you know, engaging with everybody. Like to have a pint or two. Everybody knew him. And everybody <laughs> was his friend at, at Rulabula. And he used to come in. He, he had his college number engraved on a Guinness pint glass, 42. Oh. And <laughs> he, he, you know, gave it to Steve and Steve kept it behind the bar. And so whenever Pat would show up, he'd show up with his playbook to get ready for the next game, start studying the plays, do what he has to do. But his glass would be behind the bar. So he would fill it up with a Guinness and he'd sit <laughs> down there and do what he had, and do what he was doing. Well, he, he continued doing that while he was with the Cardinals. That glass, when, when Pat was killed, was still behind the bar. And so Steve, you know, he treasured that glass. First of all, it was pretty meaningful. And I, you know, I think I'm, I'm sure he still has that glass, but a year on after Pat was killed, you know, he said, you know, I want to do something to, to, to honor his memory and now to support this foundation that was started in his name. And so he started an event, which basically was, hey, come to Rulabula, have a pint of Guinness, as Pat would have done, and all the proceeds are going to support the foundation. That has grown now over the years, almost 20 years, to events across the country, Pints for Pat, where it, 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 it's just that. Come and have a Guinness. And actually, Guinness and, and, and Guinness's parent company, Diageo, they are a, a partner of ours and have supported the foundation. And more than that, you know, if, if you happen to be a fan of Guinness, you know that the glass is special, right? It's shaped a certain way and yeah. the way they pour it is pretty particular. Since Pat was drinking his own Guinness, you know, in 2000, 2001, 2002, 97, 98, whatever, since then, Guinness, they've, they've evolved the glass. And so the glass looks slightly different and that's part of their trademark. Well, the Pat Tillman Foundation is the, the only organization that's allowed to continue to manufacture the old style of glass with the, ah. Guinness, ah. With the Guinness label on it. They've Very given us cool. permission to do so to honor Pat. And so we do these events around the country. Sometimes organizations will ask us to, to do them for their veteran employees, for example, sometimes around Memorial Day or Veterans Day. And it's, it's quite simply just remembering a good human and supporting kind of the living legacy that, that we carry on here at the foundation. I love that. Walking into Rula Bula and instead of saying Norm, they're like, Pat. Pat. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. Yeah. Like, cheers. That's right. Yeah. yeah. But Rula Bula, that, that could be anywhere, right? I know. I wrote it down in phonetically because I have city. no idea how to spell it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of upside to that. Yeah. 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 Very good. Very good. So a couple more and then we'll be mindful of your time today, but there's so much to talk about. Tell us about Team Tillman and how our audience might be able to get involved. I mean, Team Tillman is fun. So I'm, you know, I shared with y'all earlier that I like, I like running marathons. If anybody wants to run the Chicago Marathon or the New York Marathon, they can do so through Team Tillman. Or like I did, at, I think in 2015, I ran a, a small marathon in Pennsylvania that happened to isn't, be flat. Isn't small marathon a... Isn't that more? There's what do they no call such that? thing. It's an oxymoron. <laughs> oh, yeah, right? I ran once and it was enormous. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. <laughs> it's like jumbo shrimp, right? You can't you can't say small marathon. Just a small marathon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Team Tillman is is a program that we have for for folks who want to run a marathon and support 
our nonprofit. And so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll give folks entry into the New York Marathon or Chicago Marathon, two of the, the biggest in the world. Or if somebody has another marathon that they want to run, they, they can do so and, and raise money for the Pat Tillman Foundation while they're doing it. The, uh, the, the race that I ran was a was a, in, in, in 2015 was a flat and fast race. I was trying to trying to go for the good time. <laughs> you know, only like a thousand people ran it at the time, but folks can run it at, at any marathon. Uh, I'll say this too, at, at Patch Run, folks who are, who want to be a part of Team Tillman can do so by raising money for the foundation, raising $500. And we've got a bunch of cool, cool swag to, to offer to folks who want to do that at, at Patch Run in April. Gotcha. So that's, so Part people it, can right? do marathons, yeah. Chicago, New York, maybe even a small town, like you mentioned in Pennsylvania, but Pat's runs a specific run. That's right. Where that's they right. can gain entry to by raising the $500. That's right. Yeah. Got that's it. right. It, yeah. You know, you know, Pat, Pat's run too, for, for folks that, that might not have heard about it. It's, you know, on April 15 this year, 4.2 miles in finishing in Sun Devil Stadium in Tempe, Arizona. I nice. like 4.2 miles a lot better than 26.2. 26.2, yeah. I have a bumper sticker that says 4.2, yeah. When it says 0. 0.2? <laughs> you, you, you are correct. I think if you're looking for a smart bunch, you don't go to the marathon. You go to the 4.2 mile race. <laughs> yes, I like it. We have every year about 30,000 people run that race. Wow. Um, it, it's, it's fun. It's a family event. You know, it's a party for some folks afterwards, <laughs> and all of it supports the continuation of our of our scholarship program. And so, we have a lot of scholars that show up and do it as well. And you know, if you if you if if anything that I've shared today is interesting to folks, I'd say show up to Patron and meet the people who are continuing continuing past legacy in in meaningful ways. Our scholars like to to show to go there and. You know, we ask them to talk about the work that they're doing. We've got scholars who are trying to solve cancer. We have, you know, a scholar that just got elected to be mayor of a town in Virginia. We have a scholar that produced technology that detected COVID in wastewater sewage systems for, for local cities. We have a scholar who's a Medal of Honor recipient, a scholar who's an astronaut. We have scholars who are, you know, advancing science in, in really meaningful ways or starting businesses kind of across the spectrum doing really important work. Go to Patron and, and get to meet them. We, we love, you know, show, showing off our scholars and, and what they're doing. I'm just picturing his legacy is like literally they're walking around. I know. Uh, yeah, at the event. Well, Definitely. you know, at, 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 one of the, at one of the patrons, and this was before I worked for the foundation, I was, I was there as a scholar myself. Marie Tillman told us in a kind of private thing with just scholars there, she said, you know, people ask her, what would Pat be doing now if you were alive? And, you know, in so many ways, that's really an unanswerable question, right? You just, you know, you don't know. He's killed when he was 27. He'd be almost 47 now. But her answer was he would be doing what all of you are doing. And you all are carrying his story forward in a meaningful way. And I tell you, like as a scholar, that's inspirational, but it also feels like an obligation. It's like, all right, uh, you know, know, in in some small way, you know, uh, my name as a scholar might be attached to Pat's name. And what does that mean for me? It means I got to, I got to do good stuff in the world. I got to do something that's important and, and serves others ultimately. And that's, that's, that feels like an obligation, but it's a motivating one. I'm sure it is. Well said. It's almost like after you talk to Dan, it's like he's the right person for the right job at the right time. I think and, so. You can feel it. And you, even the composition of the board that you have on the Pat Tillman Foundation, the, the amount of leadership and talent, diversity, that's on that board, starting from Marie all the way up to Michael Bidwell, right? President of the Cardinals. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Our, our, our board is made up of people who care so deeply about this mission, care yeah. so deeply about our scholars and about, and about past story. And I've been so helpful. And, you know, it's, 
A lot of nonprofits don't get to be 20 years old. We'll, we'll hit that mark in April 2024, and we're only getting stronger. And that only happens because our board is, is putting their shoulders into it. Oh, yeah. I, I think I read a quote, Dan, somewhere inside we hear a voice. It leads us in the direction of the person we wish to become, but it's up to us whether or not to follow. And that, when I read quotes like that, it's, it's not just words on a paper, too. It's, it's about the foundation. It's about leadership. It's about the scholarship programs, all the different events you do to, to make people better. Yep. Yep. Hundred percent, and you know, we've we've that that spoke uh, that that quote I think speaks to a lot of people. Yeah, because we all feel that, right? It's like that's very that's very relatable. We all want to grow and be good people in the world and do do things that feel meaningful. Mm-hmm. You know, we all get to be an active participant in that. Dan, you mentioned earlier, and I wrote this down. You don't care about people name dropping, right, or saying a politician or an athlete. You want you're more impressed getting to know who that scholar applicant is, right? Yeah. I feel like I need to talk to you about Operation, is it Thanapa or Thanapa? <laughs> Thanapa, yeah, that's right. Thanapa. What a great yeah. story that is because you, you did that, right? And I, I don't want to take away from the Pat Tillman Foundation, but what you did in, as a human being is something special. And I just wanted our audience to hear that, if you don't mind, just a, just a few seconds, then we'll wrap this up. Sure. Yeah, in, in 2015 it was, 2015 or 16, I think 2016, a friend of mine and I went to Bolivia and, you know, we, we, we were able, there's, there's a, a much longer story here, but we were able to recover the missing black boxes from a plane crash, Eastern 980, that crashed on January 1st, 1985. And, and on that plane were 29 people who were never found. The black boxes were never found. This plane crash crashed into a mountain at 20,000 feet outside of La Paz, Bolivia, as it was approaching for a landing on New Year's Day. And, you know, we came across this story, kind of reading about the Malaysia plane crash that went yeah. down some years ago. And, and you know, this, this Eastern 980 was listed on a Wikipedia page on a list of black boxes that had never been recovered. Mm. And, you know, on this list was uh, this little chart and on the right column was the reason that they were not recovered. And on this list were planes like, like the planes that flew into the World Trade Center, right? Those were incinerated. The black boxes were never recovered. But, but then there was this plane, Eastern 980, and the reason was high altitude and inaccessible terrain. You know, I saw that and said, oh, come on. What? Come, come on. on. What's that? <laughs> I ran a marathon. Right. That's we easy. I ran a marathon up the mountain. <laughs> what does inaccessible mean? I bet we can agree with that. And, uh, it's all relative. Yeah, and, uh, and, and sure enough, you know, par- partially due to, uh, you know, I mean, kind of an interesting result of climate change, the glacier that it crashed into has been melting. And so, wow. you, know, the, the, you know, the victims of this crash and the plane parts have all been kind of coming out of the ice over oh, the last wow. 30 years. And so we were, we, you know, we did find human remains for the first time. And that disproved some, some of the wilder conspiracy theories that were surrounding this plane crash. And then we did locate on a plane, there are two black boxes, which are actually orange. Black box is just a conceptual thing. But one is a flight data recorder. How fast is it going? What's the altitude? The other is a cockpit voice recorder, just recording the conversation. We found pieces of both of those. We've actually uh, we went up. We went up once and got published in Outside Magazine, and then we went we went up another two times actually with documentary filmmakers. So sometime in the future, I think there's going to be a documentary about this thing, and there's 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 more to the story that that you know we'll be able to share through that process. Awesome! Thanks for sharing That's that with our audience. That's yeah, in, yeah, inside and behind the scenes. So thank you. Sure. Sure. And I didn't know that black boxes were orange. I didn't either. I mean, <laughs> yeah. think about what we learned by having these things. I know. Yeah. 
it'd be horrible looking for something that was dark and black, right? <laughs> I know. But they should call but it the orange box. I hate to tell you, but they're actually purple. So whatever right. you found out there, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's not a black oh, box. No. <laughs> oh, you got to go back. Let's finish our military minute. Yes. So Dan, if you'd be so kind to hang with us for just another moment. We have an, in, we'll say an endearing little game that we like to play. <laughs> it's, it's fun for us. I, nobody else may like it, but it's called Military Minute. And so last time for our viewers, we had a guest on from Fish, Friends in Service of Heroes. And we asked the question, how many families did Fish surprise with Walmart gift cards in December of 2021? And if you answered on our social media and you answered 29, the good news is you're right. Right. Yeah. Did you answer 29? It was 28. Oh, well, you don't win. And they get a $50 gift card. They right? do. So watch for the post and you will win both a $50 gift card for and. yourself and a $50 gift card to a charity of your choice. And so I want to fast forward to this week's question, which of course is about the Pat Tillman Foundation. So you cannot play along, Dan. You can't answer. And the question is, what is TLI? You heard about it today. You heard a lot about it today, actually. Very interesting part of the conversation. Did we use that acronym at all during this discussion? Well, you know, it's probably, they can piece it together. You think? I have, com I have confidence in our audience. Do you think they'll go to the website or anything? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. They might call you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Or, or Dan. <laughs> or they might call Dan. So screen your calls, Dan. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> but I would tell you, as you see the podcast drop for this episode, if you know the answer or you think you know the answer, comment to win. And again, if you're right and we pick you, you will win $50 for yourself and $50 for a charity of your choice. And maybe you could give that back to the Tillman Foundation. If you enjoyed today's episode like we did, go out to afbank.com and subscribe to the show. Also, make sure to rate us. Leave us a comment on your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. And thank you very much, Dan, for being here today. Dan, outstanding job. It's a pleasure Great to work. meet you and learn more about the Tillman Foundation. Absolutely. Yeah, thank, thank you so much, Tom. Thank you, Jody, for, for having me. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate it. Thank enjoy, you so much. Enjoy your travels. Thanks so much. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Copyright 2022 Armed Forces Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender, all non-Armed Forces Bank-owned apps, websites, company names, and product names are trademarks or registered trademarks of their respective owners. Their mention does not imply any affiliation with or endorsement by Armed Forces Bank of them or their products and services. They are merely used as examples of the many available apps, companies, and websites that offer similar services. Before using any app or website, you should carefully review the terms of use, data collection, and privacy policy. Apps may have an initial cost or in-application purchase features. This information is general in nature and is not intended to be legal, tax, or financial advice. Although Armed Forces Bank believes this information to be accurate, it cannot ensure that it could change. Statements or opinions of individuals referenced herein are their own, not Armed Forces Bank. Consult an appropriate professional concerning your specific situation and respective governing bodies for applicable laws, such as IRS.gov for current tax law, Armed Forces Bank, the Armed Forces Bank logo, and the Militarily Speaking logo are registered trademarks of Armed Forces Bank.